because she's a young nerd. And he's an old punk. Welcome to Young Nerd Old Punk, the podcast where we participate in a subculture exchange because Kelly is a young nerd. And Tim's an old punk. This week, I have recommended to Kelly to listen to The Velvet Underground and Nico. Kelly, what'd you have for me this week? I had Tim watch a few episodes of the anime Pop Team Epic. There a... Actually, I have a question for you before we begin, because it came up to me while I was going to take a piss. We just <laughs> finished out playing the front nine at Ewing. How often do you walk into a porta potty and the seat is down? Versus being up. I avoid porta potties at all costs, so I literally cannot answer that question. Uh, okay, I mean, I get it. If I was female, I would never use a porta potty. And if I did, I would do the hangover method. Gotta do squats? <laughs> Tons of squats. Gotta have that fucking calf strength to hang over that toilet. Nobody wants to put their hands on it. Oh, yeah, Matt's here too. Or you kick with your foot <laughs> and, like, get the seat down that way. Oh, okay. I thought you were, like, leaning on one leg. Like, are you putting that, one that against the wall? Important. Like, that feels like you're going to the porta potty. Maybe that's how I would do it if I was female. <laughs> put one up yeah. and, like, piss diagonally. <laughs> yeah, because you can control that it won't just drip down one leg. Hey, man, I that's know the girl the once they could for. definitely control that much. Dude, yeah. Must be nice. <laughs> you gotta practice, Kelly. Also, in fairness, I think the vast majority of porta potties that I have been like in recently have the urinal thing, so don't pay attention to the like actual like opening. Oh yeah, that's true. That one does not have it. Oh, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I usually use the urinal too because I'm not taking a dump in that filth. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Wait, that's not a hand washing station. <laughs> that's a different thing. <laughs> Not that they'd understand that callback, but... Uh, you know. Callback to a conversation we had about a different thing that was not on the podcast. All right, Kelly, how would you like to handle this? I think last time, perhaps, I went first, and you went second. I'm more than happy to go first, so I listened to the album. All right, but let me start with... Oh, no, <laughs> I recommended to Kelly The Velvet Underground and Nico. It's considered a seminal album now. But when it was released, they printed, rumors are, between 1,000 and 1,500 copies. Michael Stipe from R.E.M. is often quoted that everyone that listened to the album started a band. Go ahead, Kelly. It's all yours now. So I thought, especially the first, like, four or five songs, it's really interesting because they all could, like, be shoved into a completely different genre. They just were different enough that I'm like, wait, am I still listening to the same album? Because it's YouTube. And because we totally listened on a legitimate YouTube page. Kelly paid for this. I mean, those people need money. Yes. Those people (laughs) who I'm assuming are dead by now. Uh, no. Maybe the drummer, Nico, might be dead. I really don't. I'm pretty sure most of the members are still alive. I, the first song, I really felt like it gave me some, like, like an end credit song to just, like, a shitty movie. It, it's titled Sunday Morning. Yep. And honestly, it's a perfect song for Sunday morning. <laughs> Which is the end credit of your weekend. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I really liked Femme Fatale. Like, I don't think I should, given the current the feminism movement that exists in the world. It's a fun jam. You know, I think, honestly, it was probably considered more empowering back then. Yeah. Um, than it... And can, you know, you're talking 19, what, 66 this album came out? So I think back then it was more empowering that she could even be what you're talking yeah. about in the so, song film. But I really out. enjoyed it. It's both, both like, the lyrics and just kind of, like, the beat. And my guess is that Film Fatale is probably the most covered 
version of this album too, as far as the individual songs. Possibly their most pop. Yeah, there's one other on here that's probably more famous. But as far as like, hey, bands cover this Velvet Underground song. It's Film Fatale. And it it seemed familiar enough. Like I know this from something. I almost guarantee you've heard someone cover it. Honestly. Yeah. I didn't put the names of the songs, but I have the songs like numbered. Yeah, that's fine. Um, you tell me what it is. I'll tell you what song it is. So the sixth song. All tomorrow's parties. With tambourine. Yep. I put it's like psychedelic light, like it is. And it, that's the thing about this album too. It's sort of a bridge between the psychedelia of the '60s, and then for some reason, it, punk rockers are into this yep. album. <laughs> so I don't know exactly why. I think it's more of like tracks like "Run, Run, Run." I'm waiting for the man. Maybe there she goes again. Yep. But yeah, no, it's it has a trippy feel. Uh, this band was actually. I guess popularized by Andy Warhol, the pop mm-hmm. artist. And then actually, once I it, once I did a little bit of like looking at the Wikipedia, right. I was like, "Oh, Andy Warhol produced this. some of it. This makes a lot of sense." And did the cover art too? Yeah, I knew yeah. the art, but I just thought that was unrelated for a minute there until I. I real I, I don't know about psychedelia. I think I would almost compare All Tomorrow's Party. It's very droney, and it reminds me of the Swans, which I know you probably don't know who I'm talking about, but. It reminds me of Early Swans, which I really like Early Swans. Yeah, that's why I said, like, it's not even psychedelia, just, like, psychedelic light. Like, what a Midwest mom would think is psychedelic, you know. And then I had a lot of fun listening to the last song on this album. European Sun? Because I started typing, and I'm like, ooh, I like this. And then my next note right after that is, oh, God, there's a demon in it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was like, because in the beginning, it's just this nice, like... Yo, 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 European sun. <laughs> and then and then it gets weird. But it's not, it's just enough unpleasant, but <laughs> not at the same time that it's still good. I like that you say it. it's just, it's unpleasant. Because honestly, the wife can put up with about half this album. But the last two songs, one of which is Black Angel's Death Song, which is my favorite is on the, the album. Is that song 10? It, no, it's right before, yeah, it's right before yep. European Sun. That's usually the point where she goes, what are we listening to? And then I tell her the same thing every time. And can we listen to something else? So I have my only note for song 10 is bad violin. <laughs> but it's not bad violin. It's great. It's wonderful violin. <laughs> well, I'm happy you feel that way. And I do like European Sun. Actually, those two are probably my favorites on the album. The other one on here that I think is fairly popular, it's used in soundtracks a lot, is heroin. Mm-hmm. But it's used in like drug movies, yeah. Essentially, I felt like there were some songs that like I don't know how to explain it other than like good garage demo tape. It, it would be the second song, and then I also put that. Yeah, before. I'm waiting for the man. His song about going to score heroin. What? <laughs> yeah, what? what a That's surprise. not just waiting for some guy. <laughs> yeah, he's not just waiting for you know his lover. It's the guy that's going to sell him heroin. And then the fifth song. Yeah, run, run, run. Run, 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 yep. Take a drag of two. Yeah, it's a yeah. good song. It's like, it's like, and I also think I knew the it'd be the eighth song. So the, There she goes again. There she goes Honestly, again. Honestly, that's probably the second most covered song. Yeah, which I could only find an R.E.M. cover of it when I was peeking around. Actually, I think R.E.M. has covered There She Goes Again, Venus and Furs. They also did Film Fatale. Yeah, they did Film Fatale as well. I can <laughs> yeah. tell you that one for sure. Uh, the Venus and Furs was on like a deeper B-side. Maybe one of the like free releases to the R.E.M. Club albums. I know too much R.E.M. 
So just my general thing with this album, when I was probably 16 or 17, I thought it was just brilliant. But it was one of those things where, like, this annoys the people around me. That's why I think it's brilliant. So I went through kind of a long period where I did not like this album. Like, what the hell was I thinking? It's too noisy. It's just, it's not that good. In the last few years, I've come around. The only reason I recommend this, because a couple weeks ago, I started listening to it pretty heavily. I still, I, I think it's a great album all around because you do have a mix. You have your Sunday mornings. You have your I'm Waiting for the Man. Mm. But then you get into things that are more experimental, like Black Angel Death Song and European Sun. I understand why it's a coveted and revered album. What were your overall impressions? I I enjoyed it for the most part. Like, some of it, I'm like, I don't know. I can't, don't normally just sit down and listen to an album. Like, that's just not a thing I do. I'm doing other tasks or I'm kind of hanging out with people and it's just in the background. So having to actually focus on it, I realize I know very little about music. But a lot of the things just kind of reminded me of other things. Some of the songs were a little bit bluesy, like the... I don't know how to explain what I mean by bluesy, but right. Did it remind you of? Did it remind you of older music or more modern music? A lot of it, honestly, reminded me of older music, right. but some modern stuff too. I was gonna say, yeah, I think like this said, honestly was inspired. it was a highly influential album. It wasn't until bands like REM started talking about how influential they were that they started re-releasing this album. Oh, like the original LP, like. It literally was barely released. Fucking cheap-ass Andy Warhol. Bastard. God, Andy Warhol's a whole nother can of worms. We could talk about him for days. I actually, uh, I was probably 17 when I bought, like, his diary, mm-hmm. which that book is probably four to five inches thick. I read the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was a goddamn nerd kid. Oh. I take that back. I was a goddamn punk rock kid. <laughs> <laughs> was a, a punk rock kid that... Devoted himself to things very nerdily. At any point, did you feel like I was trolling you with my suggestion? No, not really. Yeah, no, it's pretty on brand for me. Pretty, yeah, that's exactly (laughs) it. Like, the first feel, I'm like, this is just an album. Like, what? But then towards the end, I'm like, I see why this was chosen. I do think my favorite songs are the ones that people are like, what the fuck? You like Black Angel Death Song? Like I said, I really, like had the moment of, I'm like, ooh, I really like, oh god, there's a demon. <laughs> like, it just... Ready to choose! <laughs> oh, man. Lou Reed. He's a guy. Alright, Kelly's suggestion for me was Pop Team Epic. And, Matt, you're here. You've said nothing. I, <laughs> Almost. I, I've had a few insights. Matt and I do a podcast where we cover the discography of bands, mm-hmm. and he knows that a lot of times when it comes to these things... I do my thoughts moment by moment, and this is what I have done for Top Pop Team Epic. Oh, God. I did episode... I started with episode one. I don't remember the title because... Episode one. It pops up pretty quick. You know, it was in Japanese, but they gave you translations at the bottom, but I didn't catch the title of the episode. I had no idea what was going on because I didn't realize the beginning was a preview of another show. And then the <laughs> actual show started with a not joke. <laughs> I still have no idea what happened in the episode, other than there's an angry little girl that sounds like a middle-aged Japanese man, and a slightly taller girl who also sounds like a middle-aged Japanese man. The slightly taller girl seems to be around just to watch the little girl be angry. They were maybe imprisoned by an evil syndicate that has some sort of plan in place. Also, there's a hippo with human hands named Bob. 
So that is my recap of episode one. Oh my god. <laughs> one second, I need to like gather some did composure. You? So Did you assign him like the entire season one? I just just a smattering. She okay. required me to watch at least two episodes. Oh I did god. do more. So Pop Team Epic is Japanese four-panel surreal comedy webcomic. It has been made into an anime, and it's just fucking weird. Like, it is... Surreal should have given you the clue, honestly. Surreal is just synonymous (laughs) with weird. So, Pop Team Epic contains a lot of references to other media, mostly Japanese media. So, one of the jokes in the first episode is a Your Name joke. And Jake and I, when we first saw the episode, hadn't seen that movie yet. And then we saw the movie, we've seen the movie and we watched the episode last night and we died laughing. And I'm like, oh my god, Tim's gonna get none of this. (laughs) So, it is very strange, but one of the things about all the episodes is they decided to do two sets of voice actors per episode because... The show wasn't long enough to have a 15-minute spot, and they gave it a 15-minute, or 22-minute spot, right. and they had a 22-minute spot. Yeah, most were like 11 to 12. Yeah. So, it's just it's just weird. Did you think I was trolling you? Uh, I will preview this by saying, only episode one did I get the angry uh, Japanese men. After that, they switched over to, like, actual female, or they may not have been females. It might have been yeah. males doing female voices. I kind of liked it more with the angry Japanese men. You should have watched the second half of the uh, yeah, episodes. Yeah, that's what screwed me up. For the after first that, episode, they, and all of them are famous Japanese voice actors or actresses. Oh, we'll get into that in episode which two. you don't necessarily know. <laughs> so, I don't know them, no. Yeah. The first episode is the only one that they start with the uh, men's voices, and the rest of them, they start with the women's voices and then do the men's for the second half. I think maybe it worked better... Like, you kind of knew what you were getting into with the male voices. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, this is kind of ridiculous. You don't need to take it too serious. Episode 2. Also don't know the title. This episode started out with a storyboard version of a JRPG, where the two girls are summoned in as an ultimate attack. Actually, I think they refer to them as a dragon, maybe. But instead, these two girls come out. Anyway, they braid a couple heroes into doing impressions before they cut to a studio... (laughs) Where two of the voice actors start asking about the script. Then they call it and the entire industry garbage before walking out of the studio. The ghost from the ring is there. And the segment ends by asking, do you get it? I do not. (laughs) A couple of random things happen. Then they showed someone making dolls of the two characters. And then those two dolls do a music video. That is my recap of episode two. So, something I really just like about so that jrpg it was more of a like i don't know enough anime oh my god but it's like an adventure anime like they do summon it in kind of like in video games oh, i mean uh, i thought of it more of a standard turn-based but they made a comment i about, like the animation of it i, I like the storyboard animation of it actually yeah. they make a comment about how they used up their budget in the first few episodes and they that's did. a really yeah. common thing in anime it's really funny you know that they, the first episode usually of a like brand new anime is usually freaking brilliant, well done. Actually, on the first episode of this anime, they put in a disclaimer that there was, uh, what was it? Maybe it said video interference or audio interference. They put that in there in the first episode, and I was sitting there like, okay, 
Like, why? And there was, but who would not think that that wasn't just part of the show? Yeah. Was my question. So, like, you can watch certain anime, and around episode, like, four or five, instead of getting, like, a panel of them running to school, like, a scene of them running to school, you'll get literal manga panels. Right. Because they have literally ran out of budget, and they're trying to hype up so you have a big, beautiful scene towards the end. So then you end up watching, like, fucking slideshows and big budget anime. And it's fucking, it's just, like, that kind of stuff is just what anime is. The early, uh... Marvel Comics manga cartoons, Mm -hmm. that's all they did. Yeah. Like, they would literally spend, like, a couple bucks on some animations, but the rest of it it looked like they were just shooting a comic and making it slightly move. It doesn't really hurt as long as the story's okay. No. But it's just kind of a trope in anime that, like, oh, they ran out of budget here. You don't get to watch this cool thing happen. They just imply it does. Well, that explains those early Marvel Comics X-Men and Iron Man Extremis episodes. On to episode four, because episode three wouldn't play. I don't think I missed any relevant plot points, so we're going to be okay. <laughs> but what about Tokyo Girl Drop? Uh, I may have missed that if That's it was in episode three. fake anime uh, if you watched after the credits. This one, it actually did start out pretty funny, because it had a Grand Prix race. And it was a pretty good, decent spoof of like modern sports announcing. They made references to both Cool Runnings and Top Gun, so that was pretty funny. And after that, it was back to the madness of the other episodes. (laughs) They were at their peak with the Grand P race. No comments on episode four. Uh, We did watch episode four. There was another, like, music video that happened again. Pop Team Epic. Was it called just Bob Team Epic? Yeah, the me, 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 me. Yeah, because episode four, then they played Hide and Seek. And then one just turned into, like, the studio crawl slash (laughs) news border. Yep. And hid and... Kept just saying they weren't ready after the person said ready or not. Yeah, um, episode four is, I I honestly really love that, like, spoof. Because it's a spoof of, like, Grand Prix. It's a spoof of, like, I can't think of the racing. Um, oh, Luge. Yeah. yeah oh, no, it was a, Skeleton. Yeah, they do a spoof of Luge. They also do a spoof of uh, drug testing. Yeah. Because she turns out to be a robot. Spoilers. Oops, sorry. For, for serious Pop Team Epic <laughs> yeah, listeners exactly. who really want to know about this. If you hadn't got into Pop Team Epic by now, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's <laughs> just a mess. Yeah, I was going to watch four episodes, but I could not do it at episode three. Plus, I was done on the stationary bike also. <laughs> it's like the cartoon version of WarioWare on the GBA. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> it bounced from one idea to the next, the difference being... WarioWare was coherent and could be understood. <laughs> Ouch. I'm very disappointed you didn't talk about the Japan Mignon, the cute Japan, oh, was the it French cute? bits. Oh yeah, no, the French stuff. It was just so French. Yeah, it was It was like, I... It was just so stereotypical. I didn't actually like look into this, but I'm pretty sure that they just had a French like animator, and they're like, this would be funny. And that was the thing, too. They put up a, like, was it that, or was it one of the animators gave you... A, it was. One of the animators gave you a heads up, almost like, hey, we're going to make fun of French people now. Uh, huh? It's just a joke. I think that was part of the joke, though. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely was. But it was pretty standard, like... French jokes. And it was... Other than, oh, was it? They're very expressive with their hands, maybe. And mm. then, like, 
dude flips two birds at them. Like, uh-huh. you're right. They are very expressive with their hands. Yeah, and that's kind of like a thing throughout the show where they both, like, flip you off. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of middle fingers. There was a lot of uh, interspersed, like, video game 8-bit scenes. And then they would go to, like, a point screen or a health screen, and it's, they're just flipping birds. Mm-hmm. I honestly did feel like you were trolling me. <laughs> With this suggestion. I, I panicked. We, we had a different plan, which we'll talk about at the next lineup episode. Yes, we did. But, and I'm like, oh, fuck. What's weird? I honestly um, went to Amazon Video because I know that that's, like, the mainstreaming thing you have. Right. And I'm like, oh, fuck, what's on here? Tim might enjoy your name. And that's a, like, anime movie and it's not fucking weird. And then I was like... I think this is what I have to do. Oh, no. I mean, it's fine. Uh, Last episode, I did tell you to challenge me more, and you definitely did. Uh, Actually, on the first episode, I was like, oh, she recommended an actual anime here. Because they have that weird intro screen. (laughs) And that was a thing by, like, episode four. I was like, oh, no, that was just the intro screen, and they were being weird that first episode. Because after that, it goes to a more standard intro screen. So in the four-panel comic... The, like, I think it's called Tokyo Girl Drop. I could be wrong. But that's, like, a thing that they, like, joke, like, surprise, it's actually this. And then they're like, no, fuck you. And then they flip you off. Like, I think that's just a bit from the comic that really, in anime, and in an animated fashion, like, really works. Because you're like, I thought this was Pop Team Epic. Like, what is this shit? Right. Yeah, no, that's how it starts. (laughs) It absolutely is. And... But it's it's definitely something that if you don't know a lot of the like tropes and jokes, you're oh you're fucking you're lost. fucking lost. Because <laughs> I'm sure there's a Totoro bit in the, one of the first episodes. I think so. Yeah. But he's pixelated because rights. Oh yeah, no, there is. There's a few times that they have pixelated stuff, and like, and now I'm sitting there going like, well, that doesn't look like it's shaped like a penis. Yeah, and. The other thing is, I'm 99% sure that in the episode where it starts playing, come and get your love, but it's not, it's slightly yeah, yeah, different, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure the first, when that was actually aired, it was actually the song. Oh, right. But because of right. I could be wrong, I and I could just out. be, like, not remembering correctly, but I think so. And I might just it, be crazy. It's pretty, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it matches up, but it's also dolls, so they didn't have to match up the lip sync yeah. either. They could throw anything in there. It's adult swimish. Like, it's one of those things where, like, I think it's stupid as shit, but also I watched a lot of stupid shit on Adult Swim in the past that other people think is stupid as shit. So, we'll go two out of five pocket protectors. And I did not do mine, so I'm going to pretend that this is the end of my segment. For this, I will do... Three out of five mohawks. Hey, all right, three out of five. That's it for this episode. I think next episode I will be playing Blaze Ball. Blaze Ball? Blaze Ball. Blaze Ball. Blaze Ball. And for Kelly, I haven't given an assignment yet. I, hey, actually, I have. Kelly will be watching The Blair Witch Project. <laughs> Bluff. <laughs> it's bluffing. It's the Blah episode. <laughs> Because she's a young nerd. And he's an old punk. Please follow us on Twitter at Frisky Discs. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts.